Welcome to the Moving Forward podcast, uh, where uh, we're going to dissect some ethics today. I got my, uh, my name is Corey Cottrell, by the way. You guys might know this. Otherwise known as horse from the bottom down. Uh, I'm a horse. That is an old joke. I'm bringing it back. Uh, and of course, we got my buddy Rio Verdeneer in the house. Hey, guys. And no one else. The guest today is ethics. And we're going to solve for it today once and for all, for all time. It's just going to be, we're going to finish it. That way, no one else will have to worry about it. University courses will all just be, you could stop and just listen to this podcast and then, and then it'll be done. And then we can move on to more entertaining things like how the fuck to get the freedom dividend passed. <laughs> yeah. The university departments can, universities can just shut their ethics departments down after this right. episode. It'll yeah. just be called the moving forward department after that. <laughs> no, they'll just show kids this video. And yeah, that's, exactly, that's exactly, that's <laughs> exactly it. So, and they'll, they'll, they can bleep out the F-bombs. Apologies for that. Young uns. Uh, in college, they can allow the F bomb. I guess. Hey, yeah. When you said kids, I was thinking like, no, you really should show this. I know, but when was the last time you were on an undergrad campus? They look like children, man. It makes me feel I, so old. I haven't <laughs> been in a long time, but I, I have no doubt I would feel like an old man. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. they're all like, "Hey, Professor Rio." <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy! Uh, I mean, actually, even when I was in undergrad, people thought I was a professor. But that's uh, another story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you do have that uh, professorial bearing. I also got made fun of by one of my professors for apparently having, in his words, a whole closet full of costumes. <laughs> what? I went through a stage in my youth where I was collecting hats from around the world. And so I would show up to class in like a different exotic hat every day. <laughs> you know what's fun? Like we've been, we've been friends for, for a little while now. That surprises me exactly zero. Yeah, that's fair. But it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. I mean, have at her, you know? Yeah. My, my mom teases me. She said, Rio's the only person I know who started out as a freshman dressing like a professor and then graduated dressing like a freshman. <laughs> nice. All right, moving on, moving on. Ethics, ethics. No, I mean, a while back, quite a while back, I think it was like episode 30-something, we did an episode on values. <clears throat> and I think that was very helpful for our listeners. Um, I think it was helpful for us. And for us, yeah, it was, I think it was helpful for, for both. Um, yeah. and, and similarly with uh, AJ in the Bear Cave, we did an episode on political science terminology. Um, and I think it's useful to talk about these things sometimes because most conversations about politics, even if they address policy, which most of the time it's really just the horse race, but even if they address policy, they, don't, they, they never go to that deeper level of, okay, but what are the values we have in common? What are our disagreements around values? How am I using these terms versus how are you using these, these terms versus how does the average person understand these terms? And uh, Corey rightly pointed out in one of our private conversations that ethics and values are not the same thing, which I think is true, although obviously your ethical worldview can inform your values. So for, in the spirit of achieving consensus, we need to get to some intellectual bedrock around ethics in this episode. So that's what we're going to do. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been a little apprehensive about it uh, just because, you know, this conversation around ethics was also supposed to be how you prove to me that we should just destroy social security, which I think is not the best way to frame this conversation, but that's cool. But no, I, I, the values conversation was, was, was really, really good. And I think, that values conversation set us up for more valuable conversations after that, uh, which yeah. I'm hoping that, uh, uh, that this does as well. Uh, yeah, so, no, exa exactly. Because, because then we have something that we can reference, right? Something that you right. and I can reference and something that our listeners can reference. I don't mean necessarily going back and listening to it again, although obviously you can. 
Um, I just mean, you know, in our memory bank, right? right oh, yeah. Right. So when Rio talks about ethics, he doesn't quite mean the same thing Corey does or whatever. You know, it's just helpful <laughs> to understand each other. It's true. And how many times, like, yes, and, and I'm glad you brought up the terms as well because, you know, on, on so many occasions, uh, you know, as people coming from different, you know, sort of political traditions, I guess, um, you know, it really does come down to language a lot. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, it just the second that we establish, uh, um, you know, where we sit, it just, the, 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 I feel like the value of the dialogue, it's a lot better. So anyway, we wanted to figure out first principles, like boil all ethics down. What are we actually trying to improve, protect, safeguard? What's your, what's your initial take from that? Um, <clears throat> I like Sam Harris's take of maximizing human well-being. Um, the reason I like well-being instead of happiness is happiness was the measurement that, that the people used for utilitarian ethics. And that's been largely discredited because I'm sure, as I'm sure most of our listeners who are highly educated creme de la creme of people know, um, it, simple utilitarianism is fairly easy to discredit with okay. various art because you, well, going right into the, and yeah. I'm sorry, I just uh, no, uh, please do. Inter interrupted you with the utilitarian. What do you mean by that? You've used that word a bunch. I've seen mm -hmm. a bunch of people use that word in different, different meanings. Yeah. Um, you know, Phyllis, Phyllis dummies who, you know, weren't professors five minutes ago, what that word means. <laughs> um, utilitarianism. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's really more of like a whole school of ethical thought. Um, and, and it's not accurate to say that it's entirely discredited, but, but a simplistic notion of utilitarianism has been discredited. And it's basically the idea that all morality is, is a matter of simple mathematics. You just, you just add up the total amount of human happiness in the world. And if anything you do is going to increase that amount of happiness or the average amount of happiness, um, depending on the, the person making the argument, then that um, justifies the action as moral. Okay. And if it lowers the amount of happiness, it, it makes it immoral. The reason Harris suggested, uh, I, very brilliantly, I think, to replace it with well-being is because okay. well-being is a far deeper concept that encompasses a lot of other things humans care about. And, and it's, not, it's simply not true that all we care about is being superficially happy all the time. Yeah, no, I, I like that. So, and, so when, when we were talking about this before, um, I felt like it was an argument against the fact that you could render all ethics down to math, but it's not. It's a it's a it's an argument against the fact that you could render it all down to simple happiness, right? And when we were in the uh, the, the preamble, um, you know, I, I I do actually think about ethics quite a bit about how you would train a hyper intelligent AI to handle all of it because that is actually plausible in our future, right? Or at least to make it safe. If you're going to make an AI that's going to bootstrap itself, how do you make sure that it doesn't read a utilitarian idea of like, okay, all humans should just be happy and then literally just drug us all and plug us all into a jack that makes us happy, right? Like that obviously is something we don't want. And so that, you know, that description as a utilitarian kind of idea, hundred percent, we don't want that. I'm yeah. wondering if, if well-being, so, so let's dig into well-being a little bit. Cause I think, you know, listening to the moral landscape, uh, um, he also talks about the fact that, you know, uh, protecting or safeguarding sentient life, um, or, you know, sentience as a rule is sort of his, his predisposition to start thinking about humanity. I think it's probably simpler if we just keep it on humanity so that we don't get uh, bogged down by uh, animal rights and whether or not rivers are sentient. 
they're they're not. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean that's a good point too. He actually does define it as the well-being of sentient creatures, which I think is right. correct. Yeah. But for the sake of a political debate, for right. now, I'd like to focus on humanity, not because you know animal rights aren't a political issue; they very much are. Yeah. Um, but it's not. It's not the kind of thing that we tend to spend a lot of time debating. Um, right. And so it's not going to be helpful for us to waste our time, to, not waste, to get uh, derailed in talking about animal rights. Right. But at the same time, it's something that, that we could absolutely revisit later. So when, sure. you, when you think human well-being, um, what does that mean to you? Um, so this is where, this is the reason why, even though I am a moral realist, um, I am highly suspicious of anybody who thinks they have all the right answers to moral questions. Because in principle if we knew all of the relevant information and we were very, very smart and wise, it would just be a matter of no, of, you know, deciding what numbers to plug into what equations and we could figure it out. Um, but in practice, we don't know what numbers to plug in. And a lot of the times we don't even know what equations to plug them into. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because that question of what constitutes well-being is truly an open-ended question. Um, so is it though, we, there are, it's not like yeah. there isn't things we can say about it. Oh yeah, no. There are lots of things we can say about it. Yeah, no. Okay, so I'm not. Look, yeah, I I'm realize, not saying. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about morality, as if. I mean, we should talk about morality as if it's objective in principle, right? Okay. Um, but we don't want to make the mistake that, for example, religious people make of believing that you know we have some set of precepts that are set in stone and that we can never change. Um, it might be that our first principle of maximizing well-being as a starting point, it might be that that is well-reasoned enough philosophically that we don't have to waste a lot of time rethinking that. But as far as like sex, or sex, sex, Hello. <laughs> I've, got, I've got sex on the mind today, man. As far as second principles, um, you know, those are like goalposts that are designed to help us achieve the, the goal. Um, and you know, we probably should be open-minded about those. If, if, if we think something makes a good goalpost, but then when we try it in practice, you know, it's a scientific process, really. You hypothesize, I think this goalpost will help us maximize human well-being or increase it at least. And then you try it in society, it turns out it's not working so well. Um, we, so we have to be open-minded about, about sh changing those goalposts based on the data. Okay. Um, so that, so that's, that's, that's the reason why science is never a matter is, uh, it's not a matter of just doing, mathematics at an armchair or armchair philosophy science is about getting out in the real world testing an idea that seems logical and then seeing if it actually works in reality and i think ethics is much more like a science than than just a branch of mathematics and 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 okay. so ma math is math is helpful for for doing you know for, for it's basically a tool for measuring whether or not our hypothesis was correct i i, li I like that it's, it's it's almost more like physics and chemistry than just straight math um, Absolutely. Because there, there are functional results that can change the potential for equations. But I want to I wanna really drill down into this well-being thing. Right? So what are three things for you that well-being absolutely is for sure? Like 100%. Um, again, I think like we have to be willing to change our minds about these we things. We can. I'm telling right? you to be specific. But, so in this you moment. said absolutely for sure. Uh, so some goalposts for me would be things like um, any any proposed solution to a moral quandary, especially if you're thinking at the level of government that doesn't respect people as individuals and respect their autonomy and their liberty and their freedom. That's a, that's a no go for me because right now I'm operating under the second principle, secondary principle 
that freedom and autonomy are an essential ingredient for maximizing human well-being. Okay. Um, so that, I don't want to be, I don't believe there is a peak of the moral landscape where no. people don't, aren't free. I, okay. I, th- thank you. That, that's exactly the kind of, kind of thing that I wanted to, to, to work out. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it, so the degree to which, so, okay. So just, just to drill down on that, you know, individuality and, you know, uh, uh, freedom writ large. I mean, I don't even see that as a secondary principle. Like I think like as a definition of well being, um, I, I think we would absolutely agree that if, if, if you're, if you're not, you know, experiencing extremely high degree of freedom, uh, then, then that's not going to be the case because we're not 100% free anywhere, right? Um, as, as individuals in any way, shape, or form, um, you know, as long as you're in a civilization, that is. Uh, so, but at the same time, like, there, there is clearly a, a, a bar under which everything would be, uh, would be really, really lame. And that focuses as well, like, the, the, the opposite of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, being, uh, uh, being not free or being completely subsumed to a collective at mm-hmm. the force of, you know, at the, you know, the, uh, uh, um, with the use of force, right. But we talk about authoritarianism all the time. Um, and you know, that I think is one of the things that we come back to all the time at a subconscious level that we're completely and totally against. Right. So, so mm-hmm. I think that that's a, an interesting place to start. Yeah. And it's not a place where everybody would agree with us. So already there's a lot of serious thinkers who would part ways with our analysis. at this Right. Point. But here's the thing. If anyone were to actually disagree with that, they're fucking wrong. <laughs> well, I agree. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing. Like that, you like, and it, and I would anyone listening to this, if you can find anyone who you know is is crackpot enough to suggest that those two things aren't the case, then you know I'm I'm open to arguing about it. But I'm also opening to uh, to argue about whether or not the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Uh, so you know, it. it that I would find deeply fascinating. And this is the thing. I, like, I firmly believe, as one of my, my core beliefs, that the, the basic tenets of, of ethics and morality can be understood at the level of you know, intense astrophysics or atomic chemistry, right? You know, there, yeah. there, there are, there <laughs> I, are I, things I that actually... are testable, knowable things. Sorry. Yeah. No, uh, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have interrupted you. No, did, that was okay. Did you finish your thought? Yes. Okay. Sure. I mean, I, I was actually going to disagree it. a little bit. Okay. Um, I, I don't believe that um, ethics is a branch of science. I think that it's a, um, how do I put this? I think it's a practical application of all of the branches of science put together. I think that if we, if we as a society decide that we want to, to maximize human well-being, and that's a goal that we set for ourselves, um, we would be crazy not to, to test our hypotheses using all of the tools of science, um, mathematics being one of them, but literally also just, I mean, everything we know about how the world works that science tells us about how the world works is a data point that should inform our, our, um, thought process around how to achieve that goal. Right. So, um, if you do experiments on the human brain and you determine that people genuinely are on whole much less happy when they're unfree, then you've just proven my hypothesis about that goal. And I would, I, I, I would, would bet money on it that as the, as neuroscience matures, that they will prove that. Yeah, I I think that's right. And what, what they're going to find is that there's, um, there's limit potentials for that. Right. 
you're not allowed to drive your car 900 miles an hour on the road. That makes you less free. Sure. But you're okay with it because less people die. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and that's actually also one of the reasons why democracy, um, which I guess we could also call another goalpost. I, I think that there are, we, we, democracy is, a, is an idea that we're constantly refining and there's different ways of doing democracy and we should be trying to refine it. But in general, the idea that you know, uh, the state should be accountable to the people in some way, I think is, is another goalpost. Uh, it's, re- it's related to autonomy, but it's, a, it's, a, it's taking the issue of autonomy to, um, to the level of, of so government. So maybe another one of the things that, and this is something that I think about a lot as far as well-being is concerned is, is uh, agency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one, one thing to have freedom, but if you can't have agency in dictating the level of freedom that you have or the level of freedom that you will cede for a mm-hmm. civilization... Um, that to me is part of that, that sentience, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if that, if that's being decided for you, uh, then, then you don't have ag- agency in that, uh, uh, in, in that scenario. And I, and I, I personally feel like, you know, people don't like that. And, and again, that's where the second order, uh, principle of democracy. Would, yeah. Would, and I, I mean, there's a lot of overlap between what we're calling our secondary principles in ethics and what we call our values. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, so, so if, if you're, if your first principle in ethics is not maximizing human well-being, but it's maximizing the glory of God, right. Then you're going to have a completely different set of secondary principles because your goal is different. Um, and that's, that could explain why highly religious people um, would have a different set. of so values. this is where I would argue that ethics actually does end up being more like science, because here's the thing I can prove to you that human well-being and sentience is a thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, right? that's a really like, good point. I agree. Like, well, it, you, it, you, can, you can make you can make yeah. ethical statements that are fucking <laughs> wrong, right? Like that, or, or and, instead of being snippy about it, which I want to do, mm-hmm. um, you can make ethical statements that are completely and totally disproven by the data and the facts. Yeah. So you can't you can't say an axiom that basically said like because this orange is on the table. Uh, we're gonna you know have ethical decisions one, two, and three, and quite frankly, that is the same as. I'm going to make an ethical decision around the glory of God. They are identical, right? Except that one is a very, you know, big myth and the other one is an orange. Well, I think that's a good point, right? So w- what you could say, I don't know if I would go so far as to say we, we've proven that God doesn't exist, although I'm open to that argument. Um, but, it, well, well, I, that's, okay, a whole but, other, that's a whole other question. The thing, the no, thing that is about a whole that, other question, but what you could yeah. say is that, if you're going to base your entire moral system on it, then the burden is on you to prove that it's true first. That's right. And that, and, and the whole, you know, proving God doesn't exist thing kind of gets blown up really, really quickly because you basically just bring up the spaghetti monster thing, right? I don't have to prove to you that God doesn't exist because I don't have to prove to you there isn't a spaghetti monster behind the moon. That's not how any of this works. Something right? that a lot of people on this issue that something that is very clarifying for me was when I realized that being an agnostic and being an atheist are not mutually exclusive concepts. It's kind of like how I keep pointing out that conservative and progressive aren't mutually exclusive concepts. Some people think like, oh, if you're an agnostic, that's just being wishy-washy. You know, you should just come right out and say you're an atheist. But here's the thing. Being an atheist or a theist, theist or an atheist or a theist is based on what you believe. Whereas being a Gnostic or an agnostic is based on what you think you know. So Technically, most theists are actually agnostic theists, because if you ask them, they'll say like, well, I don't know God exists. I just believe he exists. Right. So most atheists are agnostic atheists and most theists are agnostic theists. Um, and, and really, we should all be agnostic about things that we don't know about.
Right. So I'm an agnostic atheist. Except that. <laughs> and, and this might actually, I think this, is, this, this has bearing on, to, on this discussion because it's an epistemo, it's, it's, that description is an epistemological failure because I don't have to prove to you that I'm not able to lift a car. Right? Uh-huh. I don't have to prove to you that the color green tastes like purple. Like that, that's not a thing I have to do. I don't believe, well, no, exactly. that's I don't why believe I think, those yeah. things. I don't well, that's believe why I think, that I can yeah. fly in a bus. <laughs> That's that's why I said that's why I think being an agnostic atheist is the rational position, right? So you admit that you don't know, but you also say I don't believe it because there's no good reason to believe it. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Okay. So anyway, um, so now that we've established that the first, I mean, really, truly is relevant because the most common alternative first principle that ethicists propose is something like that, right? It's some kind of metaphysical thing. If, right. you're, if you're not a naturalist who believes that the universe is what it is, um, if you're a supernaturalist and you believe that there's some, something outside the universe that's actually governing everything, then that's going to inform your ethics. Um, so we're not that. So we, we have that in common. And again, um, I would submit that it would inform your ethical failures. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, it's certainly the odds of you being right about it are very low considering <laughs> zero evidence. <laughs> that's, yeah, well, well said. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. But so, so we've been talking about ethics in terms of governance, um, but there's a, there's a, I actually, the way I see it is you have maximizing human well-being, right? It's this foundation. Yep. And then you kind of have two towers, if you will, that are equally important in terms of doing that. And one of them is, is the, the kind of collective choices that we make as a society. And that's what, what we talk about when we talk about governance, right? But the other tower is, you know, individual moral choices that we make as individual people also impacts the world, right? And, and so I think you need a set of um, secondary principles that inform the, the, the tower about individual morality as well. Um, and anything, anything that the, the collective side of it does to try to maximize human well-being needs to respect the individual side and vice versa, right? Right. Um, so part, part of the reason why I part ways with the traditional left, the old guard left, the non-libertarian left, or whatever you want to call them, is because I don't think that they, I think they completely disregard the individual tower. I think that they're operating in such, and this is also true about the fascist right. Anytime that, anytime that a system is, is too, um, it's too zeroed in on the collectivist thing, and overlooking the individual thing, um, they are going to make a lot of moral errors. Can you and, give me an example of that? Yeah. So, just so we can clarify it. <clears throat> yeah. So I would say that when it comes to individual moral choices, one of my goalposts is that um, choosing that, that you have more individual moral responsibility for something that you actively choose to do rather than for something that you choose not to do. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, they're, that choosing not to do something has no moral implications. I'm just saying that it doesn't, just, it doesn't get the same amount of weight, right? So, for example, if a person chooses not to have a child, then they, that kind of absolves them of the moral responsibility of caring for that child. However, if a person chooses to have a child, that is a positive choice that they've made. And, and I now think it's fair for society to say, you made that choice to bring that person into the world and you have some moral responsibility for that person. Right. And I think that, you know, that's, that's codified, you know, into law in, in a, a pretty high degree, is it not? Yeah, but it has, it has implications when we start talking about government as well. That's why I brought it up. Okay. 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 Um, 
I wonder if, if the, the opposite end of that argument isn't also true. That the sort of the mathematical weight that some people put on individuality um, can dramatically decrease the gestalt human well-being um, getting in the way of, of people that would be trying to collaborate to increase that well-being. I think that's right. Yeah, that's, that's that, what I meant. Austin, that's, that's what I meant probably, when I said that. Yeah, that's all is, of our fights. That's all of well, our this, fights. Yeah, right? This, well, I mean, it is. Uh, but, here, but, 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 you know, I'm an individual with my own preferences and prejudices, and so are you, right? And, and so the way democracy should work is that we should be getting together. Like, I might be, have a tendency to overemphasize the individualist tower. Right. And you might have a tendency to overemphasize the collectivist tower. So that's why talking to each other is healthy. And if we can figure out how to thread those, those towers together, this metaphor is getting really weird. It is. Um, then, uh, you know, you build some bridges between those damn towers Fucking all the way bridges. up, uh, then it's going to be better, right? Yeah. Well, and, and again, I know we harp on this all the time, but I, I think it bears repeating. Reading through all of Yang's policies, um, you start to see how he thinks. Yeah. And the way that he thinks is, I am absolutely respecting the 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 individual tower or base principle and and I am trying to maximize the collaborative power without doing as uh, like basically with doing as little damage to either one of those uh, platforms as humanly possible. Um, absolutely. And, yeah. And I think that's Yeah, you could where... also characterize it you could also characterize it as I'm trying to maximize the individual tower doing as little damage to the collective tower as possible. Right right. Yeah. It's the same thing. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I really believe that. And he's the only politician um, in my lifetime that has even attempted that project. And I think that really says something because it's such, it's so obviously the best way to go. Um, but the problem is right now we have, uh, we have parties that are overemphasizing one tower rather than the other. And we're not, you know, <laughs> honestly, it, it, what I would really like to see happen in U.S. politics, and I think we're making a case for it right now, would be for both parties to come back to the center. And by the center, I don't mean, oh, the evil, awful establishment centrist who isn't going to do anything, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I mean. So I can make a case for that, too. I just mean I want both parties to come back to a position where they're respecting both of these towers and taking them seriously and working with each other. Yeah, like Yang as dead center yeah. in American politics is really interesting to me. He's given American politics a new way to be centrist. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's where we come into the language problem too. Like the second yeah. the second we use that word, everyone's like, oh, centrists are evil, fucking guillotines, fuck off. Right? Like that, and as, as somebody who has been angry at centrists for Checks Watch the whole of time, um, just because of the frustration that I see in what America could be doing. It just isn't right. Um, and whether it's corporate interest or political interest or whatever, right. You know, like that, that it's, it's frustrating. I get it. Yeah. You know, like it's, I, can, it's, can, it's can I speak to that frustration for a second? Yeah, please. Um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it is kind of related to our conversation. It's what we do. Um, <laughs> I think I honestly, I think our listeners probably like the tangents anyway. I, so, so here's, here's the thing. I get the frustration, but this is probably getting truly to the heart of why I think populism is so dangerous. Uh, it's a conversation. Can you define it for me again? Yeah. Um, populism is the idea that there is a collective called the people, which always excludes some of the people, incidentally, 
um, and that all of those people have the same values and priorities, and that the only reason the people aren't getting what they want is because, quote, elites are getting in the way of it. That's the populist idea. And it's, it's not that there isn't some truth to it. It's that by far, by, by large, it's not true. Um, for, for one thing, elites are part of the people. For another thing, um, it's not true that the people all agree about what they want. They have wildly different values and priorities. And so any politician who's pretending to speak for everybody is lying. The whole point That's of true. democracy, right? Yeah. yeah, the whole point of democracy is to figure out how to make decisions even though we don't all agree with each other, right? And, yeah. and so po populism requires a rejection of the democratic principle in order to, in, in order to adopt that way of thinking. Um, and it relates to what you just said about frustration. So let me, let, me, let me talk about this for a second. Our founding, most of them were fathers, but let's say our founders. <laughs> our, our founders, um, not because women couldn't have done it, but, be, but because we wouldn't let them at the time. But anyway, um, our founders were very smart and they intentionally put in lots of checks and balances and lots of fail safes because the, the greatest fear that they had was that things would just go off the rails and we would start making all kinds of radical changes to society and that we'd throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and ruin the whole thing. For this experiment to be successful, you have to have checks and balances and you have to have fail safes. And so the idea being, if you're going, the more radical the change you're proposing is, the more difficult it's gonna be to get it through the system. And that's intentional, right? And so when you're trying, when people complain about the establishment and the center and they can't get anything done, what they're actually complaining about is living in a democracy. That's what they're complaining about. It's not the elites that are stopping us from doing those things. Okay. It's up to us. It's up to us to make the case to our fellow Americans that it's a good idea. And if we can't persuade enough Americans in enough places to get behind the idea, then it deserves to lose. That's just how the game's played. And, and so I get the frustration. Of course, we all, you know, we only get to live for a hundred years or so far. And we all want to, we all want to live in the Star Trek utopian future, but much more likely, if we were to able, able to just radically reshape society tomorrow, much more likely is that we will do a lot of harm. Um, and so it's important to have these, these fail-safes. Okay. Are you finished? Yeah. All right. We had a talk beforehand about talking over each other. We're going to try not to do that. And we have been 15% successful, I think, <laughs> so far. We're working on it. God damn it. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, something that adds to the frustration that people feel is when people who are sitting right next to or well within um, what can only be called the center of power in American politics, tell everyone else that what they're really doing is just not convincing people enough. Um, because what we know is like just the real data is that there is a metric that shows that the people in this democracy, when polled about what they want, are not getting it. And it is absolutely because the rich are stopping them from getting it, right? The rich are spending many, 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 many dollars that they're getting because they regulate themselves a more advantageous position in the economy, right? Against all sorts of things mm -hmm. to the point where only billionaires are getting the outcomes that they want, which is the level of this frustration that I don't think we can just kind of throw away and say, Oh, like poor people are just mad. Well, they're mad because the system literally is rigged. 
right? And like any, any understanding of K Street and Wall Street uh, and, and the way that those two things interact, um, it, it should cause a whole lot of consternation because that is broken. And if you look at Rant Yang, he w- goes right at that. He doesn't say this is populist and dismiss it, blah, 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 right? He's like, no, 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 this is real. Right, like the policy outcomes are not happening. Yeah, and he even goes further. Like when you when you look at the the convincing side of things, the rich people also can buy the media, right? And they and they have right, um, and and different subsets have been trying to come up from the bottom and create ways that there can be different vectors so that po- people power so they they can do exactly what you said, which is to go out and convince their 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 you know uh, uh, brothers and sisters that these things are a good idea or whatever. That's happening, but it's 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 you know, attacking a monolith, and then you have things like TYT. God forbid they try and set a union, right? So it's, 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 it's problematic. But Yang actually tried to address that as well. Right? Yeah, so no, I, I agree. So the way I see- say populism is, populism is going to lead to this necessary, you know, in-group, out-group, you know, bent towards authoritarianism, although we've been seeing it, right? And both like, sides. Right. Like, hashtag eat the rich is some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen, right? Like, so- like if you want to actually affect change- you should be trying to do the things that Yang was trying to do. You want to do democracy bucks. You want to do uh, uh, subsidizing media. You want to do, you know, uh, 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 lowering the power of K Street. You want to do all these things that we can actually push as ideas, right? And then fucking, uh, uh, you know, Ben, what's his pickle, you know, progressive guy is out there saying like, hashtag eat the rich. I'm like, dude, no. And then Trump is just like surrounding himself with a bunch of fascist fucking Nazis. So, you know, I, I get that, 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 so from, from the, from the, the, the position of, of the wealthy, I think they really have to admit, yeah, we've been running things for too long. That metric has gone too far. And so that metric has to come back. Otherwise, going back to the gestalt well-being of humanity like that, the real problem is too many people are feeling like their agency is down and their freedom is down um, and their capacity to live a life that isn't just suffering is down. And so they're pissed off. And so like Yang was perfect at directing that. And, but I, you know, it, it, we, I think have to recognize that, that, that that is, just data that's not like an accident okay so um yes we agree that kleptocracy is bad and i think it's very important to remember that kleptocracy is an example of of cap it's not a failure it's not a failure of capitalism it's a failure of government um and it's not real capitalism right real capitalism is not is a is a fair system of competition it is not and by by fair I, I don't mean that the world is, will suddenly be a fair place where everybody is born equally talented and equally beautiful and blah, blah, blah. That's not going to happen. What I do mean is the government, um, do, its regulations of the economy treat people fairly, meaning equally, under the law, right? So obviously, if uh, you know, an industry like, like take the oil industry, right? If they lobby Congress in order to get taxes on the middle class spent as su- to subsidize oil, right? Yep. That is giving them an advantage over the competition, right? Um, and uh, it's something that my party, the ex party, the Republicans used to not like. Now suddenly they're all for corporate subsidies, but um, that's part of their descent into the authoritarian left under Trump's national socialist agenda. But in any case, we agree that that's not good, right? But that, I think that's separable from the question of, which I think is undeniable, that if you do have a, you have a decentralized republic, right? Um, you have, I like to use the example of, of Brexit to point this out because 
Trump supporters like Brexit, right? Because yeah, national sovereignty. Okay. All right. There is a disconnect between that way of thinking and Trump's federalist centralized power, not just within the federal government, but even within just the executive branch of the White House, right? He is he is consolidating centralized power in a way that is directly at odds with a principle that would make somebody pro Brexit. Um, um, wait, wait, do you follow my, that, my point there? Isn't that, I, I would have said that was the opposite of true. Brexit is all about uh, centralizing power just in a white ethno state in England. No, it's about taking, it's about taking, it's about decentralizing European power. Again, from the perspective of people that like Brexit, it's Brexit. It's Britain first. It is literally about centralizing it around a, a, a white ethno state in England. Okay, well, but, but the point I, I see what you're saying. What I, but my it's point decentralizing is, but from you Europe. Could, but you, but like, okay, the European Union yeah. in this analogy right. is the federal government. Okay, you see my point, right? Yes, because yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we are a collection of states, and it used to be, and this is the actual position of real conservatives. It used to be that you wanted to respect states' rights, right? You did not want the federal government taking a bunch of power. You did right. not want the, the White House consolidating a bunch of power. Now, of course, you're right about what you said. And what that proves is that they're not standing up for, uh, uh, for a deep value like decentralized power. What they are doing is a bunch of hypocrites who are fine with totalitarianism as long as it's done by somebody who agrees with them. Well, shock and awe. <laughs> right. Well, and I think maybe, maybe the other thing to think about, too, is that when I think about well-being, I'm not thinking about well-being of Americans. Right. I'm thinking about well-being of everyone on the planet. And most people aren't. Right. But I think like if we're if we're going to be true ethicists, that has to be a factor. We're even like the, 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 the well-being of the gestalt of the number of people in Europe is probably lowered by uh, uh, by Brexit. And that never enters their calculation, right? We don't even necessarily want, I mean, I, I don't think that it's necessarily wrong for, a, for someone who's, who's leading a country to put the interests of their country first. Well, that's, um, that's the, the individual the, 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 the versus the collaborative. That, the, well, that's two true. Two towers the, on a nation state scale, but the right? Problem, but the problem with that way of thinking, especially when it's being filtered through an incredibly inferior brain like Donald Trump's, is that it creates this false dichotomy, right? It, cre- it creates these situations where, where, where he thinks, well, what is best for America can never be to maintain alliances. <laughs> well, that's not true. Like sometimes working with your allies is actually in America's interest. In fact, basically by definition it is right. right. And so he's not, he, it's not it, the problem with Trump. Isn't that he wants to put America first. It's that he sucks at putting America first. But I think I think you're onto something though, because at the at the nation state level, he's so ingrained in the the Republican id or the conservative id, which is like individualism above all else, that it actually makes sense to him to do that on a on a, a nation scale. Like, why are we paying for NATO? What the fuck's the problem? That's not individualistic though. Fascism is a collectivist ideology. Well, right? that, like it's it, about that, country. Oh, right, it's 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 about putting. It's about like fealty to your country. So yeah, that, opposed, I was, so like true yeah, American conservatism, right? Like yeah, yeah. the reason the true American conservatism is is more like that. Don't tread on me thing. To be honest, Don, right. what Donald Trump has convinced all of these people to say, like, yes, great leader, Donald, tread all over me. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's 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 not putting individualism first. No, what I was trying to say, and I must have said it very badly, is that like at a nation state level, 
it's it's almost like he's taking that that id of doing the individualism as a human mm-hmm. and then turning it into individualism as a country so it's like it, yeah. it's you know it, it's it's removing the united states from the world um mm-hmm. and just like screw the whole idea that we're collaboratively and and what would be the more ethical position of trying to uh, to improve the lives of of literally everyone in the world because human beings and well-being is not white people in america uh right so but yeah, I guess the the the, the analogy probably wasn't as accurate. No, I, I I get I, I take your point. I'm just saying that nationalism is a collectivist way of thinking, right? Yeah, I'm oh, yeah. a nationalist in the simple sense that I believe in borders, right? I do believe in national sovereignty and borders, and I'm 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 concerned about the fact that the sovereignty of states is not being respected by this totalitarian president. Yeah. Okay, so ethics. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, it, it's it's where all, all this stuff no, it's is going to it's, it's, it's all off, related, right? but yeah. So I would say I would say that I would say that uh, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump both take the collectivist tower too seriously, um, and in fact, both of them are also making exactly the mistake you just said. Bernie Sanders has the most hostile um, immigration policies of of any Democrat. Uh, like you literally have to go to Trump to find somebody with worse immigration policy. And again, it's because he, he hangs out with unions and factory workers. Like they're all going to be able to come back. Right. That that's the, 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 the criminal mistake of his campaign. But even um, if it were true, the moral case for it would be based on, and I'm not necessarily saying that it would be wrong, okay. but it would be, but you like, let's make it explicit. Trump and Sanders are both explicitly saying that Americans are, are deserve more moral concern than other people. Um, but even 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 if um, you believe that, it just doesn't make sense in the 21st century, like you said, right? Right. They, they are they are scapegoating foreign labor for the actual cause of job loss, which is automation, and 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 in doing so, they're actually do they're actually doing the bidding of corporations. Sanders is willingly or not basically a puppet of corporate America. That's the truth. <laughs> you want to unpack that? Well, I mean, on this issue, it's quite clear right because he is he if imagine you're a corporation that that is you know preparing not not to offshore but to automate away 90 percent of your current labor force right there's nothing that they would you would like more than to have somebody like trump or sanders in the white house who is willing to scapegoat foreign labor for automation so that the american people don't see what's up that right he's giving cover to corporations to automate away jobs. I think he's a corporate puppet. I fucking love you. That's such an asinine thing to say, except <laughs> that, I mean, like, except that it's true. That's the thing. Like, is he actually a corporate puppet? No, this is called hyperbole. It's just to get clicks on the internet, but it fucking works. However, it's no, also it's because an, I'm trying to, it's speak, a true I'm statement. I wasn't speak. finished yet. I wasn't finished. Sorry, it was a true sorry. statement. So I'm trying to, I'm trying breathlessly to agree with you here, buddy. Come on. Okay. Um, no, like the, the, the idea that, that, through uh, uh through malice or incompetence it, he's giving cover to corporations that are absolutely going to automate everything away it's just true that's a fact well and and this is a hypothesis that may or may not be true but if you know people love their conspiracy theories no so people people name me here. don't <laughs> i don't either but i'm just saying like if 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 i was looking for a way to distract americans from the reality of of um, automation because it serves the interests of my corporation. I would absolutely want to have somebody like Sanders in the Democratic Party. I would not want Yang, right? 
This is not my arguing face. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, part of the reason I said that it was, it's not to get clicks. It's because I know I'm now speaking to the value because I've spent so much time having conversations with my good buddy, Corey. I'm, I've learned how to speak to the values of the left. If you want to convince a leftist to give up Bernie Sanders, that's a pretty good line right there. Yeah. It, it, well, and, and I feel like it's, it, it embodies too much malice instead of incompetence for me personally. Well, I don't know if it's malice or not, but I, I, but I'm just saying, thing, like, you oh, called I, him wait. a puppet of corporate America, but I get it. Yeah. Sorry. Go <laughs> okay, ahead. Now, now wait, that's awesome because you just reminded me about another secondary ethical principle, right? Okay. Another goalpost. Um, so this, it, it relates to the, the individualist tower, right? So I said that like, there's a certain level of responsibility that pe- that you put more moral weight on an action that somebody takes over one that they don't take. Not that pe- not the actions that people don't take don't have value. The, another another point is intentions. Intentions do matter, but they don't matter as much as outcomes. And so, if somebody has good intentions, that alone is not enough to make to be an ethical person. They have to have good intentions, but they also have to have the wherewithal to achieve those attention intentions in reality. If with good intentions, they do things with bad consequences, I don't think that's moral. And this is part of the reason why I disagree with people who say, well, Sanders, you know, is a good person. You might be able to say his heart is in the right place. I'm not even sure I'd go that far. But like, let's say, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that his intentions are nothing but good. It doesn't matter if his outcome, if the outcomes that his policies are going to have is, is bad, then he's a, he's an immoral person, not a moral person. Okay. So, I think that's provably untrue. Interesting. Um, because, uh, like, it, it, assuming in a universe, well, you might as well just keep using Bernie Sanders as, as, as an example, right? Um, he is going out, and, and a lot of it is, is for, you know, political reasons, but a lot of it is, like, going out and looking at the world and understanding it the way that, that, that he would understand it after XYZ experiences, yada, yada, too bad he's not Yang, we get it, Right. Um, and I believe with good intentions is coming up with Medicare for all because he has been to countries where healthcare works and it, it, that, that totally works now for political reasons, he's not, uh, uh, educating people around it as much as he should be anymore. You know, we have some critiques there, but the, all those intentions around what he's doing may have a good outcome for all, you know, may have a bad outcome. We don't know, but I, like if I have a good intention to, uh, help an old lady across the street, Right. And in doing so, I'm not actually paying attention as much as I should and, get she, and she gets hit by a bus. Yeah. I am not an immoral person. Let me, can I, I'm going to say something that's going to be a little disquieting. <laughs> I know you're really surprised. No, no, no. I, was like, I, was like, I haven't even gotten no, here's to kill a, I was like, <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. Thank you for the warning. I'm no, I, I'm not actually going to say that. I'm yeah. just going to say let him die. He's but anyway. Gonna... <laughs> no, but all right. Um, Implicit in our, po- in our perspective, which is that m- morality is real, right? Um, moral realism, and that it should be informed by science and math, right? Ta- math is a tool and science are tools that we should use to achieve our moral ends, right? Yep. Implicit in that position is this fact, that to be a truly moral person, you have to have good intentions, which we are defining essentially as sharing our first principle of maximizing human well-being, right? But also, you have to be smart. Actually, no. That's actually not, that's not part of this whatsoever. 
right? You can't like, you can be a, so here's the thing. You said that we're not going to be able to be perfect in this particular regard. If as a starting thing, we take that, you know, the moral landscape is, is real and we're going to attack it as a science. Um, even a five-year-old who is not quote unquote smart yet is going to be doing those things and getting better and better at them all the time. We can't call that kid immoral because he makes a mistake. No, I, I would say it's and more that like would also be true. That would I mean, also be true of yeah. no, but honestly that moral in the context of that individual human being. Okay. Right. I mean, I'm making an argument for Trump supporters now. So please give me a minute. Cause this hurts my <laughs> fucking feelings a well, lot. I don't agree. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I know, but like, like we can't, we can't say if morality is a science, we can't say, that just because you are testing something as a hyper-intelligent monkey in a moral context and you fail, that you are therefore immoral. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Well, okay. I think that you're getting a little hung up on the emotional aspect of what I'm saying, and that's why I knew it would be disquieting for you because it, does, it, doesn't, it probably doesn't make you feel good as a person to say that stupid people are immoral because they're stupid. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> think, no, I don't, th I don't think there's any ethical or moral value in your statement. Like at no, all. But I, guess, I, like, okay, I, well, I think so you're, let, you're let me, actively arguing yourself into a bad place. No, I'm not. Okay. Let me let it, it, it really, honestly, there's no way this is an unavoidable conclusion based on the premises that we've already agreed to. Okay. How so, is it unavoidable? Cause so because, far, because we have defined pass. morality as, as taking steps to maximize human well-being. So having the intention of maximizing it is only one, it's, it's, it's a necessary but not a sufficient ingredient for achieving that goal. The other ingredient is being smart enough to know which steps to take, right? So like, yes, just wanting to achieve it is nice, but unless you're actually willing to do the work to figure out what the best way of doing that is, you're not capable of making a moral decision. I wouldn't necessarily say that's immoral. I guess I would say I, I, it would be immoral if they were very cocky about it, right? If somebody is both, if somebody's just stupid but they're humble, then yeah. I would say they're I would say they're like amoral. So right? they're, they're kind of like a bear. You can't really even, fault a bear. Well, let me finish my thought. You're interrupting yeah, sorry, me. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're you can't right, really fault a bear for killing you if you're trapped in a cage with the bear because that's just what bears do, right? Yeah. That is how stupid people are. You can't really fault them for being stupid, but their being stupid still makes them extremely dangerous. Okay, them being stupid making them extremely dangerous? Fully agree. Yeah. Right. And, and, so, and but that's amoral. That's amoral. Uh, now, as, as opposed to immoral, now, if you take a bear that was conscious in the way that a human is conscious, and you also give that bear a cockiness where he's like, I'm the greatest, I'm the smartest, I'm the most moral bear you've ever seen. Then, then I think it comes into the territory of immoral because now not only are they dangerous, but they have persuaded themselves to believe that they're doing the right thing. That's how I see like religious people, for example. They're, they're, they're very cocky and very sure right. that they have the right moral view. And th so that takes their stupidity to the level of full immorality. Uh, okay, I, 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 I'm, I'm cool with that, uh, with that transition. First thought I had was uh, uh, Rumsfeld handing Bush daily reports in the Iraq war with religious things on the cover. <laughs> um oh thank goodness cheney was there to run the show i wish <sighs> i wish that we had a cheney for trump right anybody trump is too much no, of an arrogant asshole dude. to listen to be, anybody that would be bannon it no, would be no. so listen to me very carefully it would be so much worse if bannon was still in the white house that oh yeah no but like it could be somebody else it could evil. be david from 
Yeah, but it wouldn't be. That's the thing. We, and we know it wouldn't be anyway. This is all sort of counterfactual. If he couldn't handle how evil, you know, Steve Bannon was, who legitimately wanted to use Trump as a tool to destroy America, um, then, you know, I guess, yay, that Trump is that stupid. I mean, that's the thing, right? The, the, yeah. the, and so maybe we use Trump as the example for this, right? Well, except that he's not good intentioned in any way, shape, or form, disregard. And you know who Bannon is? You know what Bannon is? He's no. an economic populist. Mm. He really is. I know he, he calls himself. Is. I know he calls himself that. No, he is. That's that's. I mean, and 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 the reason he's evil isn't because he's Republican. It's because he's a populist. Oh no, no, I I, I well. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so I'm okay, serious. Let's, no, the party let's was better off no, when think... it was not. You know, the opposite of populism, frankly, is liberalism. It's not I, possible to be yeah. a populist and be liberal at the same time. So I, I, I hate that because basically, I mean, it, that because that sounds like a rich person defending their position of power to me. Right. Like, okay. cause I have stipulated and, and proven quite frankly, that all the data shows the rich people have accrued too much power to themselves. And then they get really, really grumpy when populists decide to come in and go, Hey, maybe we should, you know, switch board. But I think this is an interesting way to Steve Bannon is an interesting way to dig into the conversation we were just having. Right. Because yeah. there, there is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. There is the, the Steve Bannon that sees that, you know, there, there is a massive disconnect. The, the pendulum has swung far too far to, you know, a, a kleptocratic few gaining and, and maintaining and accruing power to themselves. Agreed. And the justifiably people, populists, whatever you want to call them, human beings going like, what the fuck? That's not good, right? So the pendulum has swung too far. You have a Stephen Bannon coming in and cynically, in my view, right, seeing that pain and saying, okay, I want to burn the world because I wasn't hugged enough as a child and I'm a sociopathic fucking nut job. And so I'm going to use that populism, pour gasoline and freaking you know, radioactive garbage on it. Uh, that's Trump. And, you know, and, and, and create a very, very horrible intent. There is no universe in which Steve Bannon's intent is good. I don't agree with that. Okay. How, like, how could that even be plausible? I think, right? that the, I think, I think that, honestly, most of, the most, most of the, the most immoral things that have ever been done in history were done by people with good intentions. But bad morals. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's so what that's I mean. not so that's I, not about outcome. That's about no, that's about uh, right, prime exactly. Function. Right. Yeah. So we agree about that. I'm just saying, like, I don't think, I don't think that Bannon is insincere. I think that he is a seriously disturbed individual, who who whose um, belief in populism has uh, you know rotted his soul. So he just wants to eat the rich. I I don't think that Bannon wants to eat the rich. I think that Bannon genuinely believes that liberalism and globalism, um, free trade, he, he hates, and I, I know this kind of person a lot, the sort of person who calls me a rhino, right? Or used to call me a rhino when I was a Republican. I'm now a registered Democrat. But like those people, they hate the Republican establishment just as much as Bernie Sanders and his lot hate the Democratic establishment, maybe even more. Okay. Um, and the reason is because they genuinely believe deep down that the right is, um, and this is why they call themselves alt-right. They believe that genuine true right-wing values are bad. They genuinely believe that free trade capitalism is bad because it's bad for the little guy. And so they think they're fighting for the working man. And you know what? Um, I've got to say they kind of are. They're not doing it as intelligently as they should because they're a bunch of freaking morons, but 
they really are. Like you, you've got to steel man the, your opponents, right? And I'm telling you, Bannon thinks his heart's in the right place. He thinks he's standing up for the little guy, and in some ways, he is. So this actually, this actually, um, we keep coming back to the rich guy thing, um, and I don't necessarily mind being called that, and I kind of play that role on the show. But like, truth be told, here's what I here's what I actually think is going on in the in the global economy. It, to be able to afford to maintain what used to just be considered like a normal middle-class lifestyle, you kind of have to be rich, right? And yeah. so it's, I think it's simultaneously true to call me middle-class and rich because that's the truth. Where we are now is that the, the actual middle-class is so small that I think it's reasonable for most people to regard it as rich. But that says more about how much the middle-class is shrinking than anything I, else. I, I, would, I would agree with that. But, but here, here's, the, here's the thing. Um, I was brought up to have this value of noblesse oblige, which is the idea is it, it, um, it means that you should, you should treat people who are less privileged than yourself with nobility and respect. Um, and this is a value that um, moral elites have, right? And by the way, I should, also th- I should also say, I suspect the vast majority of the people who listen to our show are elites. I don't define the elite as being super rich. I don't define the elite as being in a position of power in government necessarily. Being an elite in this society could mean as su- some- something as simple as, you know, having the privilege of a first class education, right? Yeah. And I think people who listen to our show, if they aren't well-educated, then they, I would still count them as elites because they must be some kind of savant. Well, right? they're, 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 they're clearly working on it, right? I mean, that, like, they're very smart, right? right. And so, well, or, I, trying, or so, trying to be, which I think... So, so when, people are attacking, when people are attacking elites, I hear attacks upon expertise and attacks upon intelligence. Which it and, becomes sometimes. And, and that, is, that is exactly what it is. Um, in, the, in the Khmer Rouge, you know, the, like kill the nerds was a thing, right? Because there was all this pent up anger about, oh, these, they call it ableist. Oh, these ableist yeah. assholes, right? Yeah, yeah, Who think yeah. that, you know, just because they're smart, they deserve, you know, to be rich. That's the way they think about it. And again, they're defining rich as middle class. Certainly in the Khmer Rouge, they were, right? Yeah. So, so, so what I'm saying, so here's the thing. My wife yeah. and I are now thinking about having a kid. <laughs> what? Um, we breathe the lead. I don't. I don't want to raise my kid to have as much disdain for the working class as I currently have. <laughs> that, he's Uncle Corey's going to be around. It's going to be fine. Because well, but here's the thing: because I didn't grow up thinking that way. I grew up. I grew up having lots of sympathy for the working class. But the pro- the problem is, it's very hard to maintain that sympathy when they do things like elect Donald Trump. This is, okay, so this is maybe an ethical conversation that we should have. Mm-hmm. When the working class does something like elect Donald Trump, it was less than half of the working class. Right? Oh, I agree, so, yeah, no, so this, is, this like, is actually we get, the, we, get in, yeah. we get into this a lot, right? So like, yeah. there, there, here is an individual, individualist leaning person mm-hmm. looking at a collaboration of human beings, like a room full of a hundred people, 47 of them, not even mm-hmm. like 37 of them really did something that was just pretty, you know, arguably immoral. Uh, even if, you know, again, making a mistake, I'm sort of making your argument for you, right? The, mm-hmm. it, it, you can, 
uh, I'll, st- I'll stipulate for now that you can make it a moral act by, by accident um, or, you know, by malice, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, and, I, I guess I would say if it's by hold accident. Hold on, let me finish. So, so yeah. then the other, the other 60-odd people um, just get lopped into the, uh, the, the, the asshole bucket. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I can definitely, I can definitely, um, I have a defense for that. But like the point I'm making is that I, I, I want to, I don't want to have this mindset. Um, I know that it, it reduces my overall well-being to harbor so much rage at, at people who I should have more sympathy for. It's right. not psychologically healthy for me. And I don't want my kid to grow up thinking that way. Um, that is extremely so, self-aware, just so we're on the same page. Good. I want people to like me because what I'm about to say next is going to make it harder for them. <laughs> Warning number two. <laughs> but remember how we were talking about the two towers, right? Oh, no. All right. So here, here, here's the thing. When we're talking, when you're trying to thread the, <laughs> Corey, it's okay. You can, you, you, you can be, we're going to make it through this, buddy. I promise. No, I'm, I'm good. Everything's fine. I'm fine. When you're threading, when you're threading the two towers, right? Oh my God. Yeah. It sounds like we're talking about the Lord of the Rings now. I just realized anyway, whatever. But you're you're th- you're threading the two towers. Um, that means that your collectivist solutions are supposed to be respecting individuals, right? And and individual morality, as well as collectivist morality. So yeah, within within boundaries and limits, neither one of them. Yeah, is but absolute. like, but but the boundaries and limits are respecting the other tower. Y- yeah. Okay. Saying, like, so there, so there are so trade-offs. we both agree, right? Oh, yeah. So. Okay, this is going to take me a little bit to get out because it's okay. actually, now that I'm trying to say it out loud, it's a fairly convoluted argument, but I, 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 I think that it's right. I will wait until you are completely finished. <laughs> okay. Um, so we, we, we're both drawn to Yang because we believe he's threading the towers. And let's talk about why that is. It's because he's not doing what the traditional left does. And what the traditional left does is disrespecting the individualist tower in a way that is going to and has whenever it's been tried reduce the overall uh well-being in the world um and the reason for that is because they have an ends justify the means way of thinking about things um if their if their end is that they want to reduce poverty they think that justifies hiking taxes on the middle class even if it has the out, in addition to kleptocracy and other elements, that is a major part of the reason that the middle class is shrinking in this country, because the burden of paying for all of these charitable programs is falling on people who can't afford to pay it, and people who should be able to afford a middle class lifestyle can't when the government takes so much of their money. So, so, so here, so as I'm saying this, what I want you to do is I want you to keep in mind that we share the same goal, the same policy solutions to this problem. Um, but I, I want to make the case that if the Democratic Party doesn't embrace something like Andrew Yang's version of it, I believe it is more moral. Um, if, I'm, if I'm forced to choose between the old guard left and if I'm forced to choose between um, overemphasizing the collectivist side um, in a way that disrespects the individualist side or overemphasizing the individualist side, I think it's more moral to do the latter than the former. But I don't want to be forced to make that choice. I would prefer to have Yang's solution that threads the needle better. But here's my argument for why it's more moral. I think that there's a difference between a collectivist policy that um, 
that fairly seeks to create a floor, right? Which is what a UBI and a VAT does. Are you following this, Corey? Yes. As opposed to a collectivist policy that unfairly forces charity, which is a different thing. And this, and there's a, there's a, mor- there's a moral ground for that. Um, if people want to be charitable, that should be something that they voluntarily do. It's not something they should be forced to do. Now, I want to be clear. This is not an argument against taxation. It's an argument against a certain kind of tax and spend welfare state. If you are forcing the middle class, which cannot afford to be charitable, right, to be charitable and then using the money in ways that only benefit the poor, some significant percentage of which are immoral people, I don't think that that's justifiable. And that's the, re- that's the reason why, from my perspective, I would prefer to just let the middle class keep their money. And frankly, we have to go back to the root of what I said about responsibility, moral responsibility. If a person chooses to have a kid, the moral responsibility of taking care of that kid falls on them because it was a choice that they made to have that child. Yeah. And, it was, and if they have a kid that they know they won't be able to afford to support, that is an immoral thing. Having that child was an immoral choice. And not only because it's going to reduce the well-being in the world because this kid is probably going to have a terrible life, but also because bringing more poverty into the world has knock-on effects that reduce the well-being of everybody, including the middle class, who now is responsible for taking care of that kid. Okay. Okay. So I, I can clarify that that more, but I'm just I'm basically justifying morally why in a universe where I have to choose between the current tax and spend welfare system or an even or a version of that on steroids, which is essentially Bernie Sanders's vision, um, and just lowering taxes on the middle so class it, and doing away with the social safety net, I think that the latter is better. Is because it worse for you? No, no, no. That's not it. People? So this is where the noblesse oblige thing comes in, right? So. Noblesse oblige doesn't just apply to, I I appreciate the question because I had meant to clarify this, but like I said, it's a little convoluted and there's a lot going on here. Um, But this is the truth. I really think that Trump voters um, are, have a, are right to consider the traditional left um, as being, uh, as being uh, dangerous and, and immoral in their treatment of them. People who work for a living and who, who, who don't have the money to send their kids to college or to save or, or even just to buy a vacation home, honestly, whatever they want to do with their own money, um, I think that they have every right to, 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 to resent the fact that elites in the Democratic Party want to come along and say like, no, we don't really think that you're going to use your money in a way that's going to benefit humanity as well as we could. So we're going to force you to be charitable toward people who you don't like and who don't like you and who might beat their kids. I think that's seriously. Wow, that was up. a, that was a lot of, that was a lot of colorful language. Um, is, is it okay if I take it from here? Cause I, that, that, I, uh, I, I would prefer to please ask me more questions because I'm, I, I could almost, I could almost I have, guarantee that you're I have more questions. me. 
please do yeah <laughs> it's like that's such a great way to put it like i know you're an idiot who definitely didn't understand what i just said no no uh, I, I, I it's just it's such a convoluted argument and i'm no, sure i, I didn't I, explain I think, it as well as i should have okay so so let me let me see if i can rephrase it uh or or reflect it back so you're basically saying that um it it boils down to the the individualist idea that you know people who want to collaborate and tax, right? Tax and spend like all your really, you know, quite frankly, really costly language around it. Um, people that want to collaborate around it, that would be taxing, you know, uh, uh, people in a progressive way. You call it middle class. I call it the rich, but whatever, right? Like progressive taxation is going to tax from people that have more as a rule. Um, in order to create systems that, again, translating, but have been proven to work in other countries to raise the gestalt uh, of well-being in those countries, um, you're just not for that, especially because people have a responsibility for their for 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 you know their own kids. If, you, if you're going to have a baby and like grow the the thronging mob, then you should have to be responsible for it, uh, even if you have to work two jobs as a janitor for 18 hours a day. Uh, like, am, like I know I'm translating a little bit, but is that more or less the case? <laughs> With the very big caveat that I am 100% in favor of threading the needle with collectivism. Okay. I just want I mean, the pe- yeah. I want, I, 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 like, if somebody isn't willing, if they're, if they're going to completely disregard the tower that I'm focusing on for the purposes of okay, this argument, then they don't deserve my attention. They but don't deserve I, my vote. Okay, I think this actually brings up a really, really good point. Because I think, like, the, where this boils down, because we talk in absolutist language sometimes just to kind of, uh, you know, be a little hyperbolic or whatever. But I think, like, the, I think one of the through lines for this is that the one thing that neither one of us wants to see is for it to go too far. Mm-hmm. Right? Because um, one thing I wanted to ask, like, the, the, you know, Sanders is being too collectivist or whatever, right? And, like, the people have a, 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 a you know, a, a genuine... Um, you know, capacity to fear that there's going to be some, uh, you know, Venezuela like situation or too much authoritarianism or, you know, whatever the thing is, what policy that Sanders is for doesn't come from a country with a higher standard of living than ours. That's okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to answer the question, but then I'm going to say why I don't think it's a right, the right question. Okay. No, that's fair. I mean, um, like, we're like, for me, ethics is like, okay, we're, it's a, this, this is a system right? We yeah. as, we as a, a collaborative effort in this country is a system. Right. That system should be ethically charged with increasing the well-being of everyone in yeah. it, right? That's the math. That's what we're trying to do. I, I, so, I, would, I, would say, I would say that there is no precedent for a country as large as ours with as complex an, uh, a medical system as we have now going to single payer um, directly right and, oh, oh and yeah we, no no that's a different so no, question but Corey, I, we've talked, I, no i want to so like, no like, let's not talk about how we're going to do it right no, no but I, what i'm I, asking like, is because like people mm. are saying he's a socialist and we're going to turn into venezuela and that's just not true right like, like that's that fear not my argument though is utterly unfounded okay so also the federal jobs guarantee is is is, is uh like the best example of that would be china and they gave it up right? the best idea would be germany or, or uh, norway and even in even in places like Germany and Norway, um, it's true that um, working people, as a proportion of the economy, have more money. But it also means that 
the middle class's overall life lifestyle decreases um in germany and norway no hard pass in some in some okay (laughs) like we can can agree to disagree about that but i'm just going to say like and this is i'm actually fine with but you know when when work when working people get paid more um that actually also results in the cost of goods and services going up which is which is a, another <laughs> a way of, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is another yeah. way of looking yeah. at the hypocrisy of, of the Sanders people yeah. because they don't want the VAT, even though it's going to be used to end homelessness and working poverty, they don't want the VAT because it's going to increase the good cost of goods and services. Well, you know what else does? Raising the minimum wage. <laughs> it's just all this stuff is complicated and they don't, they don't think about it. They don't think it through. And so it's not, it's not that I think, I, I, actually, I actually do believe that Sanders is a socialist. But I agree with you that his policies aren't socialism. My, 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 my beef with him is that he just wants to turn up the volume on our current tax and spend welfare state, which is already immoral in my view. You see the difference? So is it, is it immoral to have a progressive taxation system? I would say that it is less moral than what I would prefer. I, I, I don't think progressive, well, here's the thing too, right? Progressive is a word that people just use. Okay, so to, I'll, if, I'll explain it. Like the, 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 I know what the, you mean by it. You mean that right, there the is, more you, you make over you, baseline. it's a higher tax rate on people who earn more money. And, and, and it scales with you know, the, the, the tax brackets that you have. And granted, we can get I, into so how, I, how it fails I, I to actually, do that at the upper end or whatever. Yeah, so in principle, I actually support what you would call a progressive tax system. Okay. But- the current system that we have now, I think is regressive, not progressive. And the oh, reason I, I say yeah. that is because I think that taxes are too high on people who can't afford to pay them already. Um, and Sanders has said that he wants to raise taxes on people who earn $29,000 a year, which is working poor people. Yeah. You, you know what that's for though, right? Yeah, I get it. But here's the thing. It might result, that it might it. result in them getting health care, but a yeah. lot of those people don't have it now anyway because they can't afford it. And so Sanders' system might get them healthcare, but now that's not gonna help them pay their bills. Yeah. No, if they and, now have less money. We actually, right? I, so, And by yeah. the way, there was this guy named Andrew Yang who also supported Medicare for all and who would have given them more money, not less money. Yeah. And so I think that when, when you're in, in the moral sphere, it's not helpful in my opinion to just ask, is this a good, is this a moral choice or a bad choice? You have to also compare it to other choices and see which one is the most moral. I, I like that because I think it, it lets us have this conversation in less of a, um, you know, positions are, 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 are wrong or whatever. Right? Actually, I posted the, uh, the, the Bernie tax thing on my Facebook page, um, which kind of shows you where you would be at or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would actually have, Michelle and I would have more money, which like made <laughs> no sense to me at all. Right. Yeah, and meanwhile, meanwhile, Chet, who's making fifteen dollars an hour, would have eight hundred dollars less each year. Right, which 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 is crazy. And now, granted, he would have healthcare, and like there's a whole other ramifications of that. But I had to caveat the whole thing with right. this is if Bernie Sanders actually manages to pass this magically, which will mm-hmm. just in case we're all listening, never happen. Like it, right. and, and and that goes to the to to the entire point that there, how much more moral is it to have a, a, a threaded solution that both increases the amount of available cash that people that need it have 
month over month over month, whether that's middle classes, you define it getting some tax relief or Chet getting some money, which is awesome. Like, or my, I keep thinking about my brother. Like they, everyone keeps talking about like this childcare benefit and all this other bullshit really just fucking give him and his ex-wife two grand a month and they're done. They're good. Well, that's the thing, right? So like it, if you are, even if you're trying even a little bit to thread the needle between these two towers, then you would immediately realize that giving people money or letting them keep their money gives, it helps them in more ways than even a hundred government programs because going and you, because frankly, most people don't use government programs because it's a huge pain in the fucking ass. That's a right? huge part of it. it and, but even if they did use them, they're still limited. Do you want this program or that program as opposed to here's money? Right. And so the problem, the problem with the Sanders movement is that it's, it's not just that it only focuses on the collectivist tower. It's that it treats the individualist tower with such disdain. Um, like I, when, when, when our first episode of the podcast was the conservative case for Andrew Yang. Okay. I guarantee you that some of Sanders's higher ups listened to that podcast. And I basically gave them talking points to use to attack Yang. And I was aware of it while I was saying it, but I underestimated the extent to which they would succeed at lying through their teeth through the left-wing media propaganda machine like the Young Turks. So if the, if the outcome, and like, so think about this, this is their position. This is basically like, oh, conservatives like this, therefore that alone is enough reason not to do it. Like what a freaking extremist way of thinking about something. Yeah. How about this? I'm willing to admit Marx had good points. If I can do that, you should be able to admit that my side has good points too. Right. But they're so dogmatically assured that their way is to go is the right way. It is like a religion, and it's going to have the 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 gestalt effect of 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 this movement is that they killed our ability to end homelessness and poverty, and they did it in the name of a hypothetical disagreement around a healthcare policy that won't happen in reality anyway, right? Yep. And so I would call that pretty damn immoral. Um, let me double down on that and say that the the act of dogma or or adhering to dogma in any way is automatically immoral because it goes against the first tenet that we agreed on that all of this should be uh, uh science and evidence driven right like that the second that you're using or applying yourself to any dogmatic position you've instantly become immoral even if you happen to be right by accident i agree with that yeah being right by accident is not is not Cause, moral cause, that's right, just because next time you're going to be next time yeah. you're going to screw it up 100%. Yeah, totally agreed. Now, I, I have to start wrapping up, unfortunately. Um, but um, one last thing I wanted to say about the subject of noblesse oblige, and I kind of touched on this already, but I want to be really clear about this. It's, it's the not, obligation of it's nobility, not, right? Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not that I just want to stand up for my interests as a, quote, rich guy, right? It's also that Sanders and his movement are through their way of thinking and their disdain for the middle class. They are forcing me to, if I were to side with them, that then that would actually be a betrayal of noblesse oblige because I would not be standing up for the Trump supporters in that case. Now keep, now keep in mind, I'm simultaneously extremely angry and losing sympathy for them. But also, at the same time, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that that's not healthy for me and not the right way to think. And right. I want to stand up for them. And I have to say, I think they're right to be worried about somebody who is hostile to their hard-earned money 
and who wants to take it from them, especially when it's not necessary. It's not necessary. There are other ways of doing it. So like, yeah. for example, you ask about the taxes. Okay? Adding that, adding so, that so what I would like to see, what I would like to see with taxes is I would like to see, um, basically raise the standard deduction to reflect the cost of a middle-class lifestyle and then tax all income at a flat rate of 30% over that with no write-offs of any kind, including corporate earnings. Okay. Yeah. If you did that, you wouldn't need to tax the middle class and our revenue would actually go up. But nobody's proposing that. Why the hell not? The closest thing to that is Andrew Yang. He really is because he's talking about giving the middle class de facto tax relief and ending poverty at the same time. But, but here's the way the Bernie Sanders people think about it. They don't like the individualist tower. They don't, they don't believe in market-based solutions. They think that like, their number one goal is actually to attack the market and undermine the market. Um, and there are radical socialists in his movement who have said so in speeches with mobs cheering to them. I posted one on Twitter the other day. This is not okay. So this is the only thing that I would say to, to defend the, the, the collaborative side of it mm-hmm. is that, and I, I, you know, it, it feels like loss. We were actually in the conversation that got on was pretty good. Like somebody was like, what are, what are all the doctors going to do? Um, you know, if this situation that you know, they're not going to see anybody, they're all going to go broke. Well, no, they all switch. That happened in Canada, right? And Canada, Canada's doctors, you know, are, are, I think, making less money than here, but they're all happier than all the doctors here, statistically speaking, because they actually get to treat their patients. And that's not to say that the Canadian system is perfect, because it's not. There's like, you know, uh, per, uh, uh, per, you know, uh, uh, meeting quotas and all that kind of stuff. So the, the, it's going to feel like loss because you're, you're getting taxed more and suddenly that's a terrible thing. But the problem is like the, the countries with the higher tax rates are doing better than the United States of America. That's just the thing that's real, right? The, the, the average education is up. The average healthcare is up. The, the infant mortality is up. Like on, across the board, the United States oh. isn't that good. But Corey, again, we have and that's, to Honestly, it. I got to finish with this. Okay. It, it's because the individualist thing has gone too far. Some of you are doing great, Right. But as, as, a, uh, um, as a statistical group of humans, you're not. And if you want to give up part of your middle-class income for charity, that is a thing that you can do. But forcing somebody else to do that is not ethical. So here's, here's the thing. In those countries where they, as a democracy, decided to raise taxes, because that's how this works, people are doing better. Right. And now, but granted, the people, that so, voted, so, the people that voted against it have to do it anyway. I get right? like the whole idea that like, that. oh, you're like, you're robbing me of my individuality. No, you live in a country that's a democracy. I'm not right? arguing. I'm not arguing for people collectively breaking the law and not paying the taxes. I'm saying that I can understand and, 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 and I, I, I feel like I have a moral obligation to take seriously the concerns of, of people who are not as well off as you or me, yeah. who maybe resent the fact that rich assholes, the way they look at it, rich elite assholes like you and me are going to come in and tell them that, well, we just think that you need to pay more in taxes so that we can help the poor. I personally think that they are right to resent that. And especially since mathematically it's not necessary. That's the only thing where you bring me back because, because again, like what I know from an ethical and moral position is that if we're actually concerned with, with 
increasing morality. That's the thing. Like they've, they've proven time and time again, that the amount of well-being and happiness that increases after you have over $70,000, again, adjusted for real estate prices in different places or whatever is minimal. Right. Yeah. Once that, their base, once their ma- their basic Maslow needs are met, that's true. But right. But so he, and he, let me let me finish because yeah. I think it, it's it's sort of an interesting distinction, right? So the the the, the I get the you know uh, perceived loss or whatever, but here's what we here's what we know for a fact: having higher tax rates makes literally everyone in a country happier. As long again, trust in government. There's a lot of other questions. I'm not saying that this is like an automatic go, especially for America, but it's not unreasonable to think that way. I don't think, but, that, it, but well, it should also mean you shouldn't be able to dismiss people for having concerns about it, right? Like I think that's something that 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 they've done that is just ridiculous. Like every, like the whole toe the line or get the fuck out. I'm like, oh, come on, you don't have to do that. You could just explain it. Doesn't, it. but it doesn't actually make everybody happier. I know somebody who moved from Canada to the U.S. precisely because he hated that way of thinking. It, it, the, those of us who are more individualist um, are not going to be happier in that system. And it is, it, it, it's, it's not, um, okay. So let, let's, com- let's co- compare and contrast the um, tax and spend welfare state as it exists now, let alone ratchet it up, right? With the VAT and UBI. Part I, of the reason- Again, yeah. I know we agree on this. So that's why yeah. I'm using it as an example. Yeah, yeah. But I think that part of the reason it's better is because it's more moral. And part of the reason it's more moral is because it's frankly more fair to those working class people. Yep, it's I agree. saying we are not going to put the burden of charity on you because you can't afford it. Yep. And for us forcing you to do so would be wrong because it is. Right. So, 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 so here, here, here's um, another reason for the distinction, by the way, is that if it is charity, then really we should be charitable people. Part of the reason people should have the freedom to decide where and how they want to be charitable is because making a decision about charity is a kind of moral decision. Um, and there are, I don't think the government, like if you were to have a means tested program, mm. I don't think the government should decide this person is worthy, but that person's not worthy. Um, right now they already do that through a lot of means testing programs and they exclude a lot of people just because they can't jump through hoops. I think that's immoral, right? Yeah. 100%. I also think it's immoral to exclude people who, who need the help, but who don't meet the arbitrary threshold line they set it at. Right. Um, and furthermore, if, if I, as an individual wanted to be charitable, I, I would, I would select people who I thought were worthy of the charity personally, but since I'm not the government, I think it's okay for me to do that. For example, if I had a chance, if I could help a family that was a Nazi family or a family that was not a Nazi family, I would choose the non-Nazi family, right? right. Because I think that, frankly, subsidizing the lives of Nazis does not result in the overall well-being of humanity increasing. Yep. All right? But the government can't make that decision, which is why it shouldn't. The government shouldn't be in the business of deciding who is worthy of charity and who isn't. Well, they don't make decisions based on that. So that's but the, not, but but that but happens. individuals should be able to make those decisions. So I, the government needs to right. get out of the charity business. It so, needs to create a fair floor for competition. It needs to replace the welfare state with a UBI. Is Canadian healthcare charity? Um, 
in some sense, yes, although actually the, it's better than the tax and spend welfare system we have now because it at least goes to everybody. At least everybody gets the benefit. Right, Part of what's wrong with the tax yeah. and spend welfare system now is that it's taking it from a lot of people who can't afford to be charitable and giving it to a lot of people who don't deserve it. And what makes it charity is the fact that it's only going to some people. If it went to everybody, then it would be more like, yeah. it would be a more fair government program. I, I, I hope that we can in really inject this into the way that we talk about things. Because talking about, you know, the, the and because there's so many really, sort of every time anyone other than you has ever said tax and spend, it means like tax and spend liberal. And the next thing they're going to say is that I'm a socialist, right? So there's a lot of weighted language and all of that stuff. But what I, what I really like is, 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 operating from the perspective of, you know, making the arguments that you're making um, in, you know, and, and you're, I think, taking care in some instances to not be absolutist about it and then saying, listen, like that, that is what it is. This is more moral because like right instantaneously I can get on board with that because I agree. Yeah. And, 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 and saying it is what it is. What I would say is that it, right now it's a mixed bag. It does some good, but it also does a lot of unnecessary bad. And I think taking money from people who can't afford to be charitable and giving it to people who are horrible human beings is bad. <laughs> like, but like when you, it, it, I just, but no, but let it me makes clarify. me sad I'm that you look at the mob. But that's the thing, like in that sense, you would be excused them, to say that. Right? Some yeah. percentage of them are, right? Yeah. And, and the government isn't going to make any effort to make sure it only goes to the ones who aren't, right? Nor right. should it, Right. But an individual choosing to be charitable could and should make that distinction. So the yeah. government just needs to get out of the charity business. We need to stop thinking of it as charity and think of it as creating a fair floor for everybody. And really, like, your tax code is progressive as fuck. It is. It's actually, frankly, more progressive than what we have now. Yeah. So, like, why don't we just email Bernie Sanders and be like, dude, your fucking plan sucks. Yeah, he won't like it. He won't like it because part of the point is to is to shrink the middle class, and that's it's see, about this being, the thing you don't know. They that. don't. They that don't is a declarative believe, statement with no evidence at all. They, okay, the evidence for it is that they prefer this system to the UBI. You don't that's know that. That's for it. They honestly, they don't understand it yet. They've never proven that they understand it. Okay, well then they're too stupid to be moral. Yes, dogma immoral. Agreed. Okay, <laughs> so they're 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 either truly evil or they're too stupid to make good moral decisions well consensus achieved <sighs> sure not how i would word that exactly but i'll, I'll just fine <laughs> okay i have to go Corey. but this is a really good episode and Indeed. you might say that humanity first is our gumbo it is Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Rio and I are so excited that the Humanity First movement is moving forward. Something you can do to help is go to movingforwardpod.com where you can find us on social media, read our blog, and support us on the Patreon. Right, Rio? Right. So I'm hoping we don't hear them in the background. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't. I, if they just made a noise, I didn't hear them. So it should be good. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty big house, but they they're really loud. <laughs> well, that's okay. fun. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Um. So we're talking about ethics. That you're gonna love this. This conversation is gonna rock your world, Corey. <laughs>
<laughs> I have been attempting to train myself to be excessively patient and to spend a lot more time listening than reacting. Yeah, I know. I think we both should do that. I also think the podcast is just better generally when we do that, honestly. Yeah. Like, I know when I listen to it, it frustrates me when we try to talk over each other. Agreed. Partially because the the human ear can't really follow two trains of thought at the same time. Yeah. Um, so I think we both just have to be have a careful about... Maybe we even just explicitly say, like, um, are you done? <laughs> Like, yeah, not, uh, that's that's not crazy, right? Silly, I mean, it, yeah, because then the other person could say, like, actually, no, I was just taking a breath. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, I think I think that's a really, really good idea. And I think, like, so, some, I was even thinking about, and I, I should actually do it, getting getting a notebook, right? Because like sometimes it's it's it's, it's almost you know I got to get this this out before my tiny brain loses it. Um, I know, but if we start taking notes, and then it becomes like fucking work, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But like, if it's if it's in the interest of creating better content, because we're actually no, spending more time listening to each other, and I I'm actually just thought the same the, thing. Yeah, that's why they false. take notes and debates because otherwise they won't remember what to say later. Especially in in moments like that where there's a lot of stress. Here, there's not, you know, nearly as much on the line. Worst case scenario, you just sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like an idiot most of the time, so that works out really well for me. Well, I, I should have said worst case scenario one sounds like an idiot. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was using the generalizable you. Ah. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. Mm-hmm.